Hey, this is Dan. I am talking to you right now from Minneapolis, Minnesota. This is the last stop in my summer travels. And I want to remind you that I have been putting out a podcast about those travels called The Hitch. You can go to thehitchpodcast.com or search for The Hitch on Apple Podcasts or things like that. Do you like sitting in the back of a travel trailer with my wife, Janice? Oh, that came out weird. Uh, But join us anyway. It's great. The Hitch. Hey, it's me, Maureen, by Truly Devious. All right. Should I do more? Should I tell people why? No, I think that's plenty. Who would buy it? What if they don't do it? What if they don't do it? I mean, I think they do everything you tell them. Really? Yeah. Haven't you noticed that? When you said, hey, everyone... Uh, I want to come and hang out in your pool. Like you've been booked solid with pools for weeks. I'm in a pool now, Dan. See? Exactly. So they've all bought your book already. Hold on. Let me reach over and get my plugged-in computer so we can we can record this episode. This should work well. I'm going to swim over. Make some toast also. I'm going to dry my hair. Hello? Hey, hey, Dan. Maureen, it's like, it's like three in the morning. Yeah, yeah, I was calling to see if you were up. I I mean, no. I like to call people at night because I think that's when we're our truest selves. What? What? We can whisper secrets to each other. Except don't whisper. Talk loud and slow. Maureen, are you recording this? What's that? Are this conversation, are you recording this conversation? You mean the phone call? Am I- yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think we have a, de- a bad connection, Dan. Loud and slow. I just want to be able to really hear you. Uh, and just- Maureen, Dan. Jesus, this is this Omarosa thing, isn't it? You're obsessed with tapes now. Dan, I want to be on TV. You're not going to go on TV with this recording, Maureen. Not with that negative attitude, I'm not. Welcome to Says Who, the podcast that isn't a podcast. It's a coping strategy. I'm Dan Sinker. And I'm Maureen Johnson. Wow, you sound very grand, Maureen. I'm trying to make my voice sound... I'm trying to create authentic enthusiasm by faking it. Yeah, Mission accomplished. Yep. You sounded very enthusiastic just then. Dan, you got to fake it till you make it sometimes, and sometimes you have to fake it while you're faking it. That's right. That's what, that's the saying. Fake it while you're faking it. Fake it while you're faking it. You're in a, how many more days are you on the road, Dan? (sighs) Only three. Three more days, Maureen. I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, The 60, what turns out to be 61 days on the road is almost come to an end. When did you actually leave again? Was it- I don't another lifetime ago. Um 
I left at the at, near the end, like uh, pretty much two months ago, almost exactly at this point, somewhere around like the twenty second of June. It was right around my wedding, I guess. Yes, that way. Yeah, wow. that was our first day on the road. Was your wow. wedding day? Oh, that's right. I was like, "Do you want to come?" And you're like, "I am starting this trip yeah. across the country." Yeah. In a, and yeah, this is my last makeshift place to record. I'm in my friend Jeff's office, which is where the first makeshift place that I recorded was. Full circle, Maureen. Oh man, it's Isn't full it gonna be, circle. You're going to be back in your house and. I know. There's going to be so much space. We aren't going to know yeah. what to do with it all. You're all going to scatter. We're all going to just end up sleeping in one room anyway. Yeah. Are you all going to be like, you're so used to being together that you're all just going to pile on top of each other? Our 13-year-old today was like, can we remove some walls in our house and just move the trailer in? Oh, my gosh. He was like, because my bed's a lot more comfortable in the trailer, <laughs> which he... He sleeps on a table, so that's sort of a sad state of affairs oh of his current bed, I would say. <coughs> Dad, I'm coughing a little How bit. How are I'm you sorry. feeling? You sound a little bit uh, iffy. Well, Dan, um, my body decided to just, you know, I, I ha do have a sick dog right now, and I touch a lot of disgusting stuff. That's <laughs> Yeah, that happens with sick dogs. Uh, I do wash my hands probably 20 times a day and, <coughs> oh boy, it's just a little tickle in my throat. Um, I wash my hands all the time, use hand sanitizer, alcohol, like everything, but nothing, none of that helps if she kisses you right on the mouth. Oof. Yeah. And, uh, once I <coughs> got one of those tickles in my throat. Do you, do you need a little water or something? I am. I'm drinking some water. All right. Just calm down. You know that thing when you, the tickle starts and you're like, I'm oh. going to go on a coughing spree. I know. All right. All right. There we go. So last weekend, I woke up on Saturday and it was kind of gray and gross. And uh, it was, I just was like, I'm in a bad mood today. Everything's sad. And I was like, boy, I really feel sad and terrible. And my friend Julie came over and Oscar was here and... You know, the whole day, I was just like, everything felt kind of doom and gloom. And then I started to get super, super hot. Ooh. And then Oscar was like, you're really burning up. And it was that I and it, it was that I had a fever, Dan. Ooh. And I was also nauseous all day, like all day long. I was trying not to, to be sick and everything hurt. Like every muscle in my body hurt. Like it hurt to breathe. It hurt to step on the ground. And it turns out it was all, I was like, oh, I'm really sad. And then I was like, no, it's cool. Cause it just turns out I'm just sick, which actually was very good. <laughs> um, and then I just kind of got sicker. And then by the end of the night, it was like, I, my right side was just aching and I just had this fever and, Finally, you know, I was on the phone with my mother, who's a nurse, and I was like, yeah, I really don't feel good. And my side really hurts. And she's like, I really hate to do this to you, but you have to go to the ER. Oh, boy. Because those are all things that can be signs of appendicitis. Like <laughs> sudden like nausea, like sick, pain on the right side, sudden fever, all of sure. this. I had just taken a bunch of Tylenol and... um like the z -Quil, yeah, to try to sleep through the night. And I had oh, taken no. it. 
Yeah. So I'd taken all this stuff and it hadn't hit my system yet. And so we went up to the what's what my doctor refers to as the nice ER that's sort of like a suburban hospital <laughs> because New York ERs, which I I'd never went to them before the last couple of years. But basically, once one thing goes wrong, you're like, oh, suddenly you're a frequent flyer. <laughs> I, I, it was like I went from none ever to like suddenly having to go. And they're like, you know, if you have a pet, we can't with your sister, you know, with what's wrong with you, you know, we absolutely can't take a chance. So you have to go over. So I went over. I'm like, this is stupid, but fine. So they they, they didn't treat it stupid. They, I, I was like, I'm really sorry to take up your time. And also it was starting to hit my system. So I was like, I'm really sorry to take up your time. <laughs> oh, no. Stay here on this bed. And they're like, no, this is like, we really have to check you out. This is like, they took it very seriously. And they were like, okay, well, we're going to have to do an ultrasound and a CAT scan and all this and I was like, "Hey, whatever you got to do, you got to do." Just having a good night, I hope anyway. And so, um I kept fall then I just started falling asleep like I fell asleep while they were ultrasounding me. They wheeled me down to the CAT scan room where I fell asleep and then I fell asleep. I was wow. trying to hold my arms up. Yeah, I was like I was trying to they're like, "We have to put this thing in your arm." I was like, "Okay." And I kept every time I put my head to the side, like they'd ask me a question and I'd lift my head and then I'd put my head to the side again and I'd instantly go back to sleep and start dreaming. Wow. So I was in this constant weird in and out of dream state. So, yeah. And in the end, after about six or seven hours of this, they're like, you just we can see that it's not your appendix, but like you have like a GI bug. Like we can see some stuff in your system and you you have a GI bug and. I was like, well, that was fun, everybody. Good night. Um, and I'd sent Oscar home because I was like, I don't want you to do. So I was like, I will now find my way home. Oh, no. And I was fine. Like, I just went out. I shuffled outside. I got in a cab. A cab, please. And I went home. Wow. Yeah. I'm pretty metal, Dan. That is, that is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So... And then I just was then like for the next four days, my body just was like, it was my body versus bacteria or whatever for a couple of days. And then I, I recovered from it and now I seem to have a cold. So I I feel maybe it's just getting it all out of the way or something. I don't know. Sure. It's, New York is kind of a plague spot in August. You know, it's. That's, I believe that's actually the New York tourism board slogan, isn't it? So yeah, I just you know I I'm but I'm I'm trying to think upbeat thoughts and and I, I'm have so because this is about coping, Dan. I have coping thoughts, and I will say that because I was having this lousy day, it motivated me. And this is not a sponsorship, Dan. This is not a sponsorship thing. Mm-hmm. It's not, Dan. Mm-hmm. I decided to sign up for that Talkspace app, which oh, I heard yeah. about on podcast. They and I did it because I was like. You know, I, I'm just kind of in a rock. Like, I just need some coping. Yeah. Like, I need I need ways of of negotiating mood and like you know, it just and it and I it felt like the world was ending, but it turns out I was just had the flu, the stomach flu. But I was like, no, this is good. Like, this is it's a good thing. It's take care of yourself, and sure. uh, we're gonna do some positive stuff, damn positive stuff. That's awesome. Positive. You know what? I'll tell you a little personal thing, Dan. Because oh, okay. Uh, let's get personal, Dan. Yeah. Why not? Do you, 
Well, I have a little bit of like a seasonal thing where I, you know, the the shortened days really bother me. Yeah. But in the last couple of years, it's bothered me more. And it's become more of a thing where I've developed almost like a phobia of it. Like, I'm like, oh, the days are shortening. I'm going to die. And then every time I'm like, yeah, I have a couple of bad nights, but it's fine. I actually have had some of the best times of my, you know, best times ever in the fall. And the winter. I actually... and inevitably by that time i'm like i actually kind of like it and oscar's always like you say this every time so i want to think about because there's a lot coming for us in the fall and i want to think about coping and how this is going to be an amazing fall for us all well and and we have disagreed about this in the past but i am a firm believer that the fall is the best of all seasons so i am excited for the fall i want to be I don't feel like I'm I'm trying not to be. And also, I'm always like, summer, summer, summer. And then summer comes, I'm like, it's so hot. And I never do any of the things that I say right. I'm going to do. Yeah, summer is very hot. Unfairly you're on, hot. You're going on the coolest road trip ever. And I one of the things I talked about with the talk space therapist is that I've gotten a little trained into saying I don't. Like... Mm. You know, and it like, oh, I don't do that. Or I, I can't do that. It's I can't. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. No, I'm like, I can. I can. Yeah. That's awesome. I will say yeah. one thing that has been very interesting about this trip that we're on, which, you know, which was kind of hatched and begun at the darkest points of, of my partner Janice's cancer and also encapsulates like not only her recovery from cancer, but like I quit my job in the middle of the trip and that like, it's been like a lot of things have been churning and there has been something very simple and clarifying about just having a tiny little house that you have to pull around and like, you know, small places like we just got to Minneapolis yesterday. And we actually we talk about this on the hitch as well. Like we have been in very rural South Dakota and very rural Montana for the last couple of weeks. And like you're going into small grocery stores, like one grocery store in Wall, South Dakota, where we wanted to have fish tacos that night and they did not sell fish, Maureen, like just no, if you live in that area and you wanted fish, I'm not sure what you, I guess you catch one in a river, but like mm. no fish, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, like just the simplifying of life when you are on the road and, you know, dealing with very limited choice and selection and very limited internet. Like we have had slim to no internet for the last few weeks and, um, it has been very helpful, you know, in a lot of ways in the in those ways of like, let's, you know, let's boil it down to the basics and let's, you know, just kind of like refocus on how we live our lives, you know, and the things that are important and, you know, strip away all of the other things like that has been very helpful, I think, to me, especially at you know, a time in my life where it's like, I mean, I left that job because I was so, I felt so beyond burned out uh, by it that I was, you know, it was eating away at me. And it's like, it's been very, very nice to just sort of simplify in a way that is hard to do if you're in your normal routine, I would say. Yeah. Breaking routine is, uh, is so much a key. Like today I was in the shower and I'm like, 
feel kind of in a rut. Stand on your toes. And then suddenly I just stood on my toes. I'm like, I don't do this. So let's just do this. Just change something. Sometimes it's just those little tiny movement changes. Yeah. Can just sort of set you on a. Now, now yours is bigger. Yeah. The, yeah. That's standing on your toes in the shower. But same idea. Similar, similar, very, very similar. But, um, but you and I, then, uh, we have done our our summer reading. Yeah, we we won the summer reading program. This, uh, so this episode, we're actually recording this on Sunday again because Dan is, you know, as we just said, on the road, but. I feel like this is the kind of end of our summer series and, and then the fall, because there's so much. And shit I said all that. Shit gets real in the fall. Shit gets real. But I said all that up top to be like, you know what? Don't fear the fall. Yeah. We're going to, because I think in the fall we should open up Says Who Kindergarten. And Whoa. Take it. Yeah. Says Who Kindergarten. Everybody gets to be enrolled. And we're going to go back to some fun basics and keep you motivated. I love it. Yeah. I love Says it. Says Who Kindergarten. In. Yeah. I'm in. Which will include, you know, if you need to hang out with us in the morning and have a coffee and a snack and watch cartoons, that's okay. Oh, that sounds great. We'll give you blocks to play. Nice, co- and I like that, like a nice cozy fall morning where everyone's hanging out. It's kind of just soft, a pearly gray, and everyone has a little cup of coffee and watching cartoons together. Yeah, this was one of the great discoveries of of our trip in being in these very small, very rural grocery stores. Is the Malto meal brand of knockoff cereals. Mm. They are amazing. Frosted mini spooners, honey nut scooters, marshmallow mateys. My son has been eating fruity dino bites, which are <laughs> excellent, which are fruity pebbles. <laughs> it's it's a whole world that is kind of amazing, and I'm going to be sad to go back into the world of non-knockoff cereals. I feel like we're stalling, Maureen. Dan, it's time for the Says Who Summer Book Report. Yeah. So I asked Says Who Facebook, because I said, I'm going to read this. Should I read this stupid Amorosa book? So you don't have to. They said yes. And I said, and should I also make Dan do it? And they that was the biggest yeah. yes of Overwhelmingly, all. Overwhelmingly, yes. Thank you very much, says who listeners. How long did it take you to get through it? Uh, I finally got it downloaded. That was the best part is it took a long time for my phone to have enough connection to bring it in. Uh, I started it on Wednesday and I finished it last night. So Wednesday through Saturday. I got it the morning it came out, and because I was recovering for stomach flu and wasn't really feeling up to doing much else, I read it on Tuesday morning. Wow! Yeah, yeah. I was. You were sending me things from quite deep in the book, uh, yeah. very quickly. Yeah, it was one of those things where I didn't really have the minds. Like I was just still, it was still leaving my body, and I was like, I can't really concentrate on any of my full work. But I can. For this is, I can sit here and get through this. It's a, so it, I did. It does seem a book that is very conducive to an illness haze. Yeah. Yeah, it was like the time I got I got the flu once during uh, Book Expo America, which is a big book industry event. And I, my agent, I was like, I did, we didn't know that I had the flu. 
and she was like, come on, you got to go to this meeting. And I would go to meetings and then come home and sleep for two hours and go to meetings. And in the end, it turns out the whole time I had the flu. And so I just laid on my sofa for like two days and it was like a sunny summer two days. And I read The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And I remember it was like I had a great time because it was that kind of flu thing where you're tripping balls a little bit where you're like, woo. And I was like, this book is amazing. This is the best book I ever read. <laughs> and I have very fond memories of reading it because for some reason, flu reading was like made it all better. I was like, yeah. this is just wonderful. I love it so much. And then I tried to read the next one. I was like, this is terrible. I don't like this at all. But the, I had such fond memories of the tripping balls one. Wow. So this is definitely a book that would have been better if you were tripping balls. I was tripping balls a little bit. I was pretty... The the bags of saline they gave me in the hospital helped a lot, but you know I was a little dehydrated and loopy, so um, I was like, "Sure, why not? Let's do it. Let's do this, Amoroso. Why the fuck not? How sick are you of hearing Amoroso's name?" Uh, so I so again I have been largely offline. So I I when we were in South Dakota, uh, we could drive about 10 miles and get consistent internet. And so most days we would do that once a day. And it was, I realized like on day two or three when I would do it and I would just like feel literal like pain in my chest. It was like, oh, mm -hmm. we're driving like 20 miles round trip to punch ourselves in the face. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, uh, I I got the the main parts of the Amorosa saga, but I am positive I've missed significant detail. Yes. Yeah. I realize that we didn't actually say what the Amorosa book is in case there are people that don't know. Oh, God, I wish I was you. All right. Well, Amorosa wrote a book called... Um, what's it called? Unhinged. Unhinged, of course. And but even more specifically, her... like we should contextualize Amorosa, right? Like she was a the villain of the first season of The Apprentice. Have you did you ever watch The Apprentice? No. I never saw it either. No, this was a thing that I found I don't watch a lot of TV. Uh, like pretty much all of my TV watching is professional wrestling, right? Um, and she clearly watches a lot of TV. You know, like that is a recurring theme throughout this book is TV shows and what they, you know, what was her favorite show at what time and all of that. And I found that to be very hard to relate to, like it just because I just don't watch a lot of it. And like additionally, like, yeah, having never watched even a minute of The Apprentice and the like multiple chapters about The Apprentice. And like, I certainly knew her of her before the campaign and before now because she was sort of ubiquitous for a while, but I never actually saw her on The Apprentice. Early in the book, so she goes through the the apprentice uh, audition process, and I put this excerpt under general what the fuck. Um, the contestants were, quote, 
Next, we were subjected to a physical checkup, which included a humiliating vaginal examination and pap smear, as well as testing for sexually transmitted diseases. Yeah. Why do you need a pap smear? To be on a reality show. To be on a reality show about business. I just... You don't need a pap smear to get a job. No. I mean, they, they... No. That's not no. a thing. I, I, I can... I can maybe understand if you're on a reality TV show that has to tape for six weeks, they want to make sure that like you're going to be able to be healthy enough through that taping time or they will go with someone else. Like I kind of get that, but I don't think that you would need a a full pelvic exam. A full pelvic exam. That is... In, I, if true, incredibly disturbing. Yeah. Um, and makes me ask serious questions about what the fuck the NBC apprentice is does. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. what? What? Um. So this. So you know, we start there, and she says kind of early in the book that Trump is sharp. Now, again, the overriding question is, you know, we're going to talk about reliable and unreliable narrators. Right. Um, and we'll get to the questions of, is Amorosa, because this is a standard, you know, book report, is they, she a reliable narrator? She she points to some evidence that he is uh, sharp. You know, his right. ability to do math quickly in his head, his observations about people, his retention of facts, et cetera. Yeah, his ability to, f- to film for five hours straight and not need a break and not, you know, and to remember people's names and to remember, you know, where you were in that kind of five hours, you know, stretch. Like that's, it seems that all of her, like he's on it relate to the boardroom scenes in, in the apprentice. Yeah. Which is not a great slice of life. I mean, if you judge me only by says who you'd say, why this is a suave, well-spoken, well-informed person who um, obviously has a lot of corporate sponsorships. Sure, yeah, that's definitely if what people only would judge away. from this, and you'd be right in general. But I'm saying you can't always judge from just one thing or one no. performance. No, it's like how it's not. You're not always eating delicious pie. I. I wish I was though. Yeah, but like, did you see, you know what I mean? Like, only some of the time you're eating delicious it's pie. True. It's true. Sometimes I'm eating other delicious food. You really do seem to be going around eating delicious food. Yeah, I had probably the most amazing hamburger I've ever eaten yesterday. Not going to go into detail about it, but if you are in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, go to Hamburguesas El Gordo and get the Del Gordo burger. And you Sounds will not good. be sad. It was incredible. It was no incredible, fish, Maureen. No fish tacos. No, because we couldn't get fish. So we what? made, we made, um, what did we make? Beef tacos. Because <laughs> that's what we could get. Listen, Dan, if you run into that problem again, something I could recommend is there's a service where if you oh, are no. not, if you can't say, you say you oh, want a fish taco. God. 
and uh, you can't get it. We haven't like, gotten I through wish, the book yet. I wish someone would mail me a fish <sighs> um, to a post office box or send it to the middle of the desert like in the movie Seven. And you go, what's in the box? What's in the box? And then you open it up and it's a fish, not Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Spoiler alert. Um, maybe you could try Blue Apron. Blue Apron, it's not Gwyneth Paltrow's <sighs> head in a box. All right, let's get back to the book. All right. Um, but that was a good like way of working our sponsorship material into the middle of the podcast, like more organically. Can I can I t- say the scene that a- after reading the entire book, the one moment where I just had to put the book down because I was in such disarray from it, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think is probably the right moment. Uh, they are, this is right before inauguration day and uh donald trump has been tasked with choosing the edition of the bible from the national archives that he wants to be sworn in on and he doesn't care because he has never read the bible and he suggests to her or she might have mentioned to him somehow she was tasked with getting him to decide on a Bible. I don't know why that was her job, but that became her job, at least according to the book. And she mentions at one point that um, might've been Thomas Jefferson. Someone was not sworn in on a Bible, but instead like on a, on a copy of the constitution, I believe. Um, And so he kind of perks up and he's like, so I could be sworn in not on the Bible. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, I want to get sworn in on the art of the deal. Because everyone loves that book and it was a bestseller and it will really like make a statement. And I just, I had to stop. I had to stop and catch my breath. I had the vapors, Maureen. Yeah. There's a lot of little moments like that. They do seem to be doing a lot of babysitting. A lot of this is, um, you get this impression of a giant gaggle of people chasing one man around. Yeah. That is entirely it from the, you know, from the start of the campaign till the end of the book. It's totally like a whole bunch of people trying to keep a toddler from, you know, eating a Tide Pod. Um, One of the we would get these little glimpses into White House, like what the actual rooms and, you know, she tells one story that we kind of talked about in the way back when this first happened there were there was reportage about how they didn't know how to turn on the lights right and how some of these things were set up on timers that would go off after a certain amount of time if you didn't kind of wave your hand over it and they didn't know that in the beginning and so they would sit and just talk in the dark <laughs> cuz they didn't know what to cuz they didn't have a you know they said the the space had been set up for something like 900 staffers right like all of these things that already just the it reminded me of reading about stories of people traveling with like a king or a queen, mm, like the retinue mm. of 900 people that would come with you that would fill up all these desks. And they they don't have anything like they don't have, you know, because they're they are like the bad news bears, but the bad, bad news bears, like the bad news bears you don't want to win. Right. Like they somehow are the evil team from a softball team from Camp Tiger Lake, um, as well as the terrible team. And they don't know what they're doing. Um, I had, and it also brought back memories. Like I'd forgotten that Kellyanne Uh, Conway worked for Ted Cruz and hated Trump. 
Yeah, that was the thing that was hard. And that's been hard with every like memoir book of this era is like, I don't want to sit it in my bed at night and relive the 2016 election over and over again. You know, like there were so many things that I have like willfully forgotten at this point that she was more than happy to kind of dredge up. Yeah, you have to remember you have to you go back and I was like, oh, that's right. She hated him. And she would say things about him, about how terrible he was. Kellyanne Conway. Potentially my least favorite character in this story. In her, in which way? In in her role or in the way she's portrayed? No, in the fact that she does seem to be just a knowing evil person. <laughs> yeah. And like and I, willing to be whatever the person needs them to be. Yeah, like we'll turn the second the cameras are off and say how that you know, the stuff makes her feel like she needs to take a shower after yeah. she says it. Yeah. We get pictures, little snapshots of, of Trump around the house. Um, for the first few months in the White House, Trump kept big charts in his private dining room, in his den, in his study that showed the electoral map color coded in red and blue. Most of the country was colored red, while the most populous urban centers were coded blue. When anyone walked in, he'd point at the chart and talk about the election results. If you walked in in the morning, he'd tell you the story of his victory with the aid of the chart. If you walked in in the afternoon, you'd hear the same story again verbatim. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff, it's just like, yeah, that checks out. You know, like there's no question in my mind that that stuff is is accurate. Oh, it, it did make me th- like, here's another little snippet that sort of similar most of our conversations at the time were of my listening to Donald ram- rambling incoherently, speaking in random fragments, veering from thought to thought and topic to topic. The election, fake news, Clinton emails, trade, Obama tapping his phones, and all the people who'd slighted him. Here is a snippet of one of those conver- conver- conversations <laughs> to the best of my election. Quote, hey, I'm going to meet you about, you know what? This guy's a good guy. China, the people, look. China is getting us. These guys are no good. But the wall, the wall, end quote. Yeah, that's in a section, I believe, where she is. John Kelly has come in and they're trying to institute some level of order because everyone was just kind of wandering in and, you know, using Trump against each other, basically, including Amorosa, who would leave things for him to read by the Diet Cokes in his dining room, right? Um, And Kelly puts in the order that if anyone speaks with Trump, they have to like fill out a form that explains what they spoke about. And she basically is like, how am I supposed to fill in a form about this? Like, this isn't that it's just gibberish. Am I supposed to say it's gibberish? And there I have a little snippet about that this exact thing about the reports that Kelly wants. When the first 5 a.m. call from the president came post Kelly takeover, I told Donald that he had to curtail his communications with everyone, especially by cell phone. He asked why. I told him that Kelly wanted everything to go through official channels, and I didn't disagree. The president went back to his New York City days and said, fuck Kelly, I will do whatever I want to do. I did not debrief Kelly on this conversation with the president. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, Maureen. There's a lot of this, like how... Then there's just the, 
you know, generally terrifying. The president and I talked about guns on that flight, and I learned that he owned a 45 caliber Heckencock pistol and a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson revolver. During one of the GOP primary debates, I recall Trump had said, I do carry on occasion, sometimes a lot. I like to be unpredictable. <laughs> now, remember, uh, that's around the time that he said I could shoot somebody in the middle of yeah. Fifth Avenue and, you know, get away with it. So yeah. the thought that he was carrying a gun during some of those is, I mean, he could have shot someone. And then what will we have done? Yeah. What do we do if he does shoot someone? Yeah. 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 Um, there's also uh, Mike Pence is an interesting character throughout the book because you can tell she is just viscerally creeped out by him. And she a, does a Nosferatu like uh, apparition in the corner of the room. Yeah. Who just sort of like she just describes him as like standing slightly behind Trump, just beaming at him the whole time, just like smiling lovingly in his direction. Yeah, and yet they, at the same time, like quoting all of these people around him who slip up and talk about, you know, when Mike Pence is president and then being like, I mean, when he's vice president and things like that. They, he does seem like he's a little bit doctor eviling it by saying his plans out loud. Um, yeah. But the I have a section on I, I did a lot of highlighting down. I had that highlighter going about Mike Pence. The one thing I found disturbing during the address to the joint session of Congress was how Mike, spent, Mike Pence gazed worshipfully at the back of Trump's head for an hour straight. <laughs> Everyone in the senior staff thought that Mike Pence was a Stepford Veep. It seemed obvious that he was too perfect to be genuine. His and Trump's personalities and worldviews were diametrically opposed. And yet Pence agreed with everything Trump said or did. In life, no one beams worshipfully at you all the time like that. If someone looked at you that way, you'd be disturbed and think about a restraining order. But Trump was not normal, and he liked Pence's apparent worship of him so much that they established a weekly lunch together. Perhaps his attraction to Pence was another sign of his loneliness. No one, is, uh, no one else in his life gazed at him with such adoration, certainly not his wife anymore. Parentheses. Maybe Ivanka? <laughs> oh. Oh, there's a whole bunch of creepy Ivanka yeah. stuff where she's the like- The book is really gross. It's a lot yeah. grosser than I was expecting. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. grosser than I was expecting. The Trump-Ivanka stuff, she really gets into it. She's like, it's gross. It's yeah, really- Yeah, she gets super into that. There's, you know, a couple of mentions of like Don Trump dick pics. Like, you know, it's, there's, a, there's a gross cattiness to it. Yeah. For sure. Um, but, you know, she's a reality, you know, she's, she's you, right. you know, she she's knows. doing the. And I think that that's the thing, like, that's the unreliable narrator question, right, is she early on when she's talking about The Apprentice, she is talking about advice that she gets before she before The Apprentice airs from a from a friend in reality TV or or something like that, who's like. You need to pick a persona and you need to stick with it. People love conflict. So you need to either start a fight, end a fight or like, you know, that sort of thing. And like she lays out so early on the sort of strategy for commanding and keeping attention. 
um, that you see Trump use every day, you know, but you also realize like not only did she use it successfully on The Apprentice to like her whole thing was like there's a way to win a reality show without actually winning the reality show. And that's by being the person that everyone's talking about. And like. I look at right now and I'm like, oh, my God, this is it again. Right. Like this is this is her winning the reality show without winning the reality show. And how much of what we're reading is. Is written for that to to meet that end. Right. And how much of it is actually. Documentation of time. And I don't know. Like, I don't know. She is such an unreliable narrative narrator. Some of it you want to be true or you feel a little hard. There's this there's this little section about our friend, the Mooch, um, how he's just gotten fired. And he's gotten fired basically on his first day. Yeah, not not even his first day. Anthony walked out, made a left by the chief of chief of staff's office where all the assistants sat stepped into a little cubby-like office and started crying. One of the assistants saw and heard the whole thing. She described it as, quote, a girly cry. <laughs> I like to think that somewhere in the West Wing, Sean Spicer was still rambling around in the final days of his grace period, heard Anthony's high-pitched plaintive wail, and smiled. Uh. That's a little editorializing, a little wing she puts on the end of her... So what do we learn? <laughs> it's a it's a tabloidy book. But then the thing that she did is that she taped everybody. And that is right. what we've been So now we're all on Omarosa time or at least last week Dan we were on Omarosa time certainly whether we wanted to be or not because um nobody knows that there's there's a rumor that she has up to 200 tapes. Right. Plus possibly video. Yeah. And that's a lot. It is, but it also like it it's so one of the things that that was so clear throughout the book is how for her every everything is transactional, right? Like there is no relationship that is not transaction based. In fact, like she was all in on Hillary, according to the book, right? Like she was all in on Hillary. She was involved in like African-American for Hillary work before Hillary had declared. And her expectation was that she was going to be offered a job early in the Hillary campaign, that she would be transitioned into diversity outreach or, or uh, outreach to the African-American community or something like that through the Hillary campaign. And when that doesn't happen, she basically is like, well, fuck that then. I already know Donald Trump. I'm going to go get that job from him. And I'm all in. And repeatedly... In the book, whenever Hillary is mentioned, she's like, and I know how badly they can backstab you because they backstabbed me with that job, right? And the thing that I wonder about the tapes, right? Like, there's so much wrapped up in Omarosa's tapes and the, like, supposed uh, apprentice tapes where Trump is, is you know, saying the N-word. Um, and... I think all of her tapes are are 
transactional tapes where she is trying to document what she feels like are slights or issues about her, right? Like, I don't think the tapes are particularly damning around Trump. Like, I think they are all just based on the way she talks about people. If you cross her in the book, you're dead to her for the rest of it, right? And I think that that's what she's taping. Like, she's taping people crossing her. You know, I mean, the big one that came out was Laura Trump offering her a a campaign position for $15,000 a month, right? Like, I would be surprised if she has anything particularly damning of Trump, but I think she has a lot of low-level staffers or even Trump family or things like that because she's documenting people crossing her. Is this useful or good? So my my personal feeling is this is a person who knows how to get her name out in the world, right? And there are two options in writing a, a, a memoir book, right? It's either to write a pro-Trump memoir book of your time on the campaign and all of that and really boost him up, or it's to write a tell-all, it's all as bad as you think. And I read this book and I think she knows how to sell books right now, Mm -hmm. right? Like she's going to sell more books being an anti-Trump person than she would being pro-Trump. And so is it good? Like there is a level of fan service in it that does feel rewarding, you know, like Trump as a doddering potentially dementia labeled old man who will die eventually from the number of diet Cokes he drinks, which she calculates, right? Um, There's a part that's like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, give me more, you know? Um, But I also don't believe any of it. Like, I don't believe her motivations at all. Do you? Well, I think that does it matter what her, there's a question. There's a literary question is if this, does it matter what her motivations are in the cases where she's just almost giving verbatim information? And of course, the answer is ultimately yes, but I would think. But there are there are no bombs. The book itself, I think the value of the book, if there is value, has to be what it's doing to them um because right. it's cor- right. it's corrosive and they have to spend a bunch of their time chasing their tails because you do get this that like no one's gonna work for she's a, she does a lot of well you know fanning herself like i poor me like i i was only one person trying my best how was i to know that he was a monster aside from all the terrible monstrous things that he right. did on an absolutely daily basis um, there's a lot of who could have known, who could have known. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah. Uh, and then it all uh, came uh, crumbling down because I knew about what is always now referred to as the N word tape as if, yeah. as if that's what we need. And it is, it is like, that is the moment when somebody kind of describes it to her that finally like 
the scales are lifted from her eyes, right? Like, and suddenly she can see and realizes and connects all of the dots of 15 years and being like, he isn't just racial, he's racist, (laughs) right? Like that's, Oh, yeah, Maureen. that's she had to build a structure oh. around this book. And that's the that's the turning point where she's like, that's because yeah. that's the where the book opens is that she's found out about it. Right. And that people are talking about it or that she's being fired. And right. she's being fired in the situation room by General Kelly being apparent, uh, 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 according to her, locked in the situation room until she will basically agree that things won't get ugly. But. It couldn't have been that much of a surprise if she walked in and was recording it. <laughs> right. Oh. So I you get you get a picture. It's like a, a snake took a picture of a bunch of snakes. And <laughs> and they're like, can you believe all these people are snakes? Uh, Maureen, summer is coming to an end. No, it's not. No, it, it is. is. Fall is going to be amazing. I'm thinking about all the good stuff. Um, apple cider. Hot apple cider. Apple cider donuts. Apple pie. Cinnamon apple pie. Caramel apple I'm pie. Noticing, I'm noticing a... I am noticing a theme in... Caramel apples. Yep. Caramel apples rolled in peanuts. Caramel apples dipped in chocolate. See, I like apples. Caramel Mm. apples dipped in chocolate and rolled in peanuts. Mm -hmm. Peanut butter cups. Okay. Fun-sized peanut butter cups that you get in your Halloween bag. You can get those right now. You got a trick-or-treat for them. Come on, Maureen. I could. No shortcuts. Dan, I could give those to you right now. Well, you couldn't because you're in New York and I'm in Minneapolis. Oh, am I? You don't know that. Knock, knock, knock. Look outside your trailer. Whoa, Yay! You're right here. And I have a big check for you. Don't feel. You've won. I'm unemployed. You've won the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. That's what this has all been about. That's what I've been waiting for. That's been my entire employment plan, Maureen. So, whew, that worked. Let's talk about how, because this is about coping. And I think that after this episode, this is the last on the road episode. We're going to get back to some, you know, the says who kindergarten. We're going to have some, we're going to be bringing back some interviews. Yeah. We're going to. Taking it back to basics. Back to basics. Fun interviews. Maureen, we're going to put the fun in fundamentals. Okay. That's what we're going to do. Yes. We're going to talk about how. The, the f- funnest possible way to get to election day and also beyond, because it does occur to me that we have been acting like time ends on election day 2018 when, in fact, I think it might. We we are going to th- that things continue past that point. You don't know that it won't. We're going to have a really fun fall and even funner winter, aren't we? The funnest. If we stick together, we will. Oh, what is that? Are you, are you canceling? Says who? No, no, no. I mean, if we oh, all stick together. Like, geez, give me a heart attack no. here, Maureen. If anything, Dan, should what we? What the hell? We actually have, t- we have agreed to the first live says who. It's true. Uh, next, we got to make it through the summer I, or no, the it's fall it, and the winter it's like and the spring. next May or June or something. Yeah. So. It's a ways away. 
Maybe we should attempt to do a live says who. Live says who? Even liver. Yeah, like a real one, Dan. What do you think? Do you think people would come? I'm in. I think so. We want- I'd come. Would you come? Yeah, like what if we did it? Like what if we made that a goal? I think that's a good goal. But what if we'd have to get at least five people to come? I think we could at least get four. All right, I'll take it. All right. It's good. I, I get back in town on Wednesday, Maureen, and let me tell you, my schedule is wide open. I mean, we, so. we, we still have the, you know, we talked about our game. We still haven't made any progress with the game. You've been traveling. I've been barfing. Um, game update, Maureen. The zombie, the zombie grocery store looting sweep mm-hmm. scenario that you ran me through uh, last time really lit up the imagination of my 13-year-old son who has been sketching a zombie loot grocery store card game out Yes, uh, ever since. Yes! That's all I want. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty great. What if someone made a Stardew-like game of that where the whole thing was just you were running through the grocery store? I would do that. I would play that game. Multiplayer. Nobody take that idea. Nobody take that idea. I'm going to go get Oscar. That's ours. I'm going to go. Let's pee on it. I got to go. I'm peeing right now. Is she gone? All right, everyone. Now that she's gone. Let's plan a surprise party for Maureen and Oscar because they got married and I wasn't there. I'm back. And, oh, yeah. Hey, okay. Hey, good to see you. Dan, fall. Yeah. Fun. Coping. Says Whovians. Maybe you're feeling wound down. Maybe you're tired of Omarosa. Maybe you're tired of things like um, Juliana this morning saying truth isn't truth. It's all fine. Did you catch that? Do you know that happened this morning, Dan? I did. I saw that. Now, unfortunately, I am in the land of plenty of internet, so I did see that. None of that, because fall, says who kindergarten, fun, guests, games, coping, Coffee, cartoons, all of us under the blanket together. That's right. All of us surrounding a bowl of marshmallow mateys. All of us at night, you come in, we make a we make a tent. Ooh, we like a, a pillow little... fort. Mm-hmm. We yeah. make a pillow fort. Come into the says who pillow fort. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. You know what else I love, Maureen? I love that our theme music was performed by Ted Leo. The uh, Ted Leo? The Ted Leo. And I love that our logo is designed by Darth. 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 You can contact us at Says Who Podcast on Twitter, even though Twitter's making us crazy right now. You can email at hey, that's H-E-Y, at Says Who Podcast.com. You can join the discussion on Facebook at slash groups slash Says Whovians. Our Facebook group is moderated by Janice Dillard. Wait, can I interject something? Yes. That we haven't said for a while. Hey, listen. One of the things that helps us survive is um, not like we will continue breathing, I think. Um, but if you're getting people to subscribe is is huge. Um, grab one person by the face and say, listen, you. Ah, and you grab their cheeks and you go, you're so cute. Look at you. You're so cute. Listen. Subscribe to says who? Give me your phone. Give me your phone. Give me your phone. 
free. Say it does not get cost you nothing. Let me just do this and then this. And then you subscribe. And then if you can leave a review, like all of these things really help us. And it's not going to cost you a cent. None. Not Zero one. cents. So if you all went out and got one person, we'd have more. It's true. And we like and that. then bigger fort. It's true. Yeah. A bigger bowl of marshmallow mateys. And that's the only way we could get Dan to come home. That's not true. I gotta, I gotta come. I gotta find a job, Maureen. I really. Yeah, that's. I gotta find a job. And also, will secure us those sweet, sweet sponsorship dollars that will take the place of Dan's job. Oh man, that would be great. Because if we get high numbers, then the sponsors are like, "Wow, zow, hey, yeah," and they just start throwing buckets of money at us, and that's what we're after. That's what we've always been after. That's what this whole thing has always been about. It's true. Giant buckets of of I'm I'm talking. 10 12 15 dollars what yes that is a big bucket just you see a phone lying on a table somewhere grab subscribe. it subscribe seriously your weird racist relative just maybe just get rid of their phone just 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 you know just i'm not saying destroy their phone but i don't know maybe i don't know they don't really deserve having a phone probably so take their phone like someone else like especially if a stranger leaves their phone with you just subscribe subscribe you know? yeah. yeah we'll take those stranger stranger found phone subscribe numbers we'll do that's it. like that is honestly probably 90 percent of you and we really appreciate that we do we do a good 89% of those 90% are subscribers because they don't know how to unsubscribe from podcasts. It's harder and, than it looks. Um, yeah, it's... Um, go on, just go on. You can join us September 5th for our next episode. That was delivered like I knew exactly the date, wasn't it? Did you? I Well, I did, but I was staring at it. I'm looking at my phone through the weird little box that I'm using to deaden the sound, and I only saw the word September, and I couldn't see the word fifth until I moved my whole body. Full body Dan move? I'm sort of excited to be back at recording in my basement. I will admit that. It'll be exciting to, to be like, here I am in the basement, and you know, you get back to your normal habits, and... Which can be fun. It's, it can be really nice. It's like reset, whole new you, and you just, when you have a permanent address, mm -hmm. so many good things can happen. It's true. Well, on that note. Like you can go out front. From my friend Jeff's office in Minneapolis. I'm Dan Sinker. stuff waiting for you. Like in Stardew, how they just leave you stuff sometimes. It's true. Or someone someone comes and says, I'm going to put bats in your cave. Yeah. But it's not bats. Okay. It's a box. Hmm. Hmm. Just finish. Just, just proceed. And this has been Says Who? There you go. You forgot to say your name, but that's fine. Everyone knows who you are. I'm Blue Apron. Damn it. Bye.